This is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Welcome to another Silver Dollar episode of Stay Paid, the best sales and marketing tips of your week in 15 minutes or less. My name is Joshua Stike. And I'm Luke Acree. Christmas is in just two days and millions of children around the world will be wondering if they are on Santa's nice list. Santa! Or on his naughty list. I always have to have that scream happen from Buddy the Elf. Sorry, Ariel. It's okay. Yeah, her ears are I'm going to go to the doctor's after this <laughs> But what about your clients? If you had to take a real hard look at your clients, are you confident that you are on their nice list? So today we're going to go over six ways to make sure you're on your client's nice list and how to stay off they're naughty lists. You naughty, naughty people. It does feel a little weird, like naughty lists. Like, <laughs> You're naughty. <laughs> we'll skip right over that real quick. But here we go. Luke and I each pulled three different ways that can put you on your client's naughty list. The first one that I'll bring up is not keeping your promises. So breaking promises in business is the number one trust destroyer in a business relationship. One mm. of the ways that you can really focus on from a tangible perspective here when it comes to not breaking your promises, obviously, number one. If you make a promise, keep the promise. But number two, one of the things that people overlook a lot is don't oversell mm. what you can do, right? Make sure that you're not necessarily underselling, but make sure that you're at least over delivering and setting yourself up in a situation where you can over deliver. I can't tell you the number of times where I've been working with a potential vendor or working with someone like even here at Reminder Media wanting to use their services. I get this list of how everything that their software is going to do for us how easy it's going to be. And yep. then I get in there and I'm like, wait a minute, this was nothing like you promised. This is too hard to use. This isn't, uh, doesn't have the features that you promised up front. So make sure that you're conscious of that because you will ultimately, you might get more in the top of the funnel, yep. but you're going to lose them and you're going to hurt your reputation in the long run. A good example of this would be taking a listing and accepting the price that you know it can't sell for. Yep. Right. Because a lot of real estate agents, what they'll do is they'll just take the listing and, and what's going to happen is you're not going to sell it. You're going to deal with an upset client. Right. And you're better off in the beginning staying strong on your foundation because yeah. it actually earns trust. When you are confident in what you bring to the table, it reflects competence. Yep. And at that point in time, it's like it's take it or leave it. But this is what I can do because I know my value. Yep. Number two. All right. Number two, I'll go with because this is similar, but um, different is. Lack of communication. And I think the core principle here is you have to set expectations for your communication. And the number one complaint I hear all the time when I'm talking to real estate agents is they have clients, they text you, right? And they want an update and you haven't given them an update or they call you and you don't return their call in a good time. Mm. Two problems here. One is you got to respond when people actually reach out to you yep. because that's good service. So you want to stand out in business, just actually respond to people. <laughs> it's amazing how simple that is. But Set expectations because you can't respond to everybody. So at the beginning of the relationship, if you want to end up on the naughty list, don't set expectations and don't respond like you're doing now. If you want to get onto the nice list, set those expectations and respond in a timely manner. You will just go leagues above your competition. Yeah, I can't remember the guest that we had on, but we've heard this a couple of times where they have set very clear boundaries mm -hmm. with their clients, which to some people sounds like, oh, no, I'm going to reduce the amount of people that I can work with if I tell them I don't work or respond to anything past 9 p.m. But in reality, what you're doing is you're setting up what your clients can expect. And when you deliver on that, they will be more appreciative of it in the long run. Love it. Number three, not showing empathy. So this is this happens when we stop seeing our client situation as unique and we see it as another problem in our business 
or another problematic client. You have to slow down and place yourself in your client's position to understand the problem. One of the ways you can do this is to listen actively, repeat experiences back to them and ask more questions to gain a better understanding. Use statements like, I understand this was difficult for you. I can't imagine how it feels, but I would like to listen. And questions like, what do you need? Ultimately placing yourself in their shoes and focusing on how they're feeling, not the stress of your own business. Yeah, love it. Um, Okay, so here's number four. Number four. Number four is valuing the transaction over the relationship. So shout out to Ricky Carruth. If you go back and watch those episodes, his slogan is relationships over transactions. It's valuing the sell, getting commission breath, valuing the commission, the transaction you're going after more than the relationship. What's an example of this? I hear all the time people get frustrated with real estate agents because they tell them the house they want. I'm looking for a three bedroom, two bath with one acre and I can afford 300 grand. And the real estate agent sends with 600 grand homes. And, <laughs> and it's, a, it's a break in the relationship. And then also on top of that, the real estate agent tries to sell them into the home yeah, yeah. that they don't really want. Right. And they're trying to sell the product. It doesn't mean you don't do your job of educating and trying to find them, but you value the relationship more than the transaction. It will come back in dividends. Another example of this is Steve and I are going through this process of insurance mm. and buying insurance. And if you pass away, you have enough insurance to cover all the transfers and all that stuff. Okay. Right. And you know, we're being sold a super high, high, high level of insurance. Mm. Well, guess what? You know, three months into all these talks and all this education is that we find out we don't need that volume of insurance, which is a massive amount of money we'd be paying over years to get this type of insurance. Well, guess what our feeling is towards the relationship we have right now? Really poor. And the relationship is probably ending because it's clear, hmm. You were trying to sell us a level of insurance to get yourself a commission and you didn't educate us and you weren't transparent from the beginning of all our options. And because of that, now we can't trust you on all the other advice you gave. Yep. And the relationship's ending. So it's like you can't sell product to your client that they don't want. You have to value the relationship over the transaction. 100%. Number five, allow your customers to face the same problem every time. Again, this is getting you on the naughty list. Look, they may forgive you the first time, but they will not come back if they have to face the same problem. One of the ways that you take care of this is document the problems that are coming up in your business from your clients. Record those complaints. Be proactive in reaching out to them to make sure that uh, that they aren't having to reach out to you to ask for the resolution and then create procedures and processes in your business to handle those complaints or those problems the next time that they arise for your other clients. If a client is having to come back to you multiple times because their problem hasn't been solved, that's a Garen way, Garen way pay. It's a Karen that you're going to have on your hands. <laughs> it's a Garen it's anything. Wee, Garen wee. That's a done deal. Naughty list, 100%. Luke, number six. <laughs> and it's plain laziness. If you just allow that to happen, it's freaking plain laziness. All right, Guarantee number six. Way. Yeah, there it is. Guarantee way. Yeah, go. yeah. <laughs> All right, so the number six is not asking for referrals. I had to put this one in here. You want to be on the naughty list, don't ask for referrals. Why do I say that? 11%, right, of salespeople ask. 91% say they, or will actually refer is what they say. But when you don't ask for referrals, guess what? You are not helping that person's sphere. Mm. You are literally denying your services to all of that person's sphere. And if you've done great service for me 
And you're not going to offer it to my mom, to my dad, to my brothers, <laughs> my sisters, my friends, my family. That's the way you got to think about it. You have value that and you a, can and give a to clear, the world. An easy way for them to facilitate yeah, the and, referral. Yeah, and you're not you're not offering that up. How yeah. naughty is that? You freaking <laughs> naughty boys and girls out there. That is bad. All right, there's the six ways to end up on the naughty list. Now let's get into the six ways to get you back on the nice list. Ask for referrals. I'm just kidding. Ask now for we referrals. have different ones. <laughs> Uh, ask for referrals, solve problems, yeah, show yeah. empathy, keep your problems. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> Number uh, one that I've got here is say thank you. This is so simple, but showing uh, follow up with a handwritten note within 48 hours. Make sure that you're thanking your clients, that you're not just taking that transaction for granted. I'll give you a study that I looked up that I thought was super interesting from the power of a thank you. So this was something where they took movie reviews, right? They were written yep. by a movie reviewer. So it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's a not necessarily disconnected case, but uh, they they basically took one that had some corrections made on it by a previous participant. And the movie review, reviewer wrote back, thank you for your help, right? Then they took another sheet that had corrections on it and gave that to a different set of participants, but they didn't have like a thank you note from yeah. the reviewer. The group of participants that had the one with a thank you note from the reviewer went out of their way to try and offer more suggestions and be more helpful on their review than the group that didn't have the thank you note. And when surveyed afterwards, the group with the thank you note said that they would be more likely to be friends with that person. So I know that's like a disconnected example, but I thought the study was so powerful. Yeah, it's so powerful. From just the subtle way that a thank you can go so far. So make sure that you are saying thank you in your business and then follow up with that handwritten note. As a matter of fact, it even has health benefits for yourself. Showing gratitude improves mental and physical health increases people's ability to empathize and fosters high esteem. Um, it's so true. And I think there's studies done that you'll actually get tipped more if you as a server or whatever, write, write a thank, thank you, you notes, right? Or thank you on the receipt. I will Makes tell sense. you this, right? There's a, a restaurant by my house that Megan and I go to all the time. And one time we went in there and we had phenomenal service from this waitress. So I wrote a nice little note basically saying on the receipt saying, you know, basically you're phenomenal. This was fantastic and gave her a nice tip. And every time we go in there now, when she's in there, her attitude to us, completely different. In, in a great way, right? Sense. Like she remembers us. She talks to us all the time. And obviously it made her feel good and it transfers now in reciprocity again yep. and again and again. So if you go to a restaurant all the time, do that. All right, here's my uh, getting on the nice list. Offer connections, do work for your client after the deal is solidified. After you've gotten the commission check, after it's all said and done and they think it's over, now's your time to shine. You want to go above expectations, offer connections, do work for them after the deal. So what's an example of this? So if you're a real estate agent right now, you sell someone a home, one of the main things people do to their home after they move in is they upgrade it. So imagine you being the one that sources out to the contractors, gets them a trusted contractor, schedules it for them. It could be a landscaper. It could be electrician. It could be a plumber. You do all that work for nothing. Yeah. You just offer it to them. You, you do it, you schedule it, and not just offering your roller decks, right? It's one thing to go, I got Josh Dyke, a nice go contractor. Yeah. You literally schedule when yep. they come to the house. You take care of all that for them. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they no, will rave about you. offer that concierge, that white glove service, you will have clients for life. All right, number three for me is to send gifts. Now we just did a whole episode on this last week, but the power of gift giving uh, is exponential when it comes to the norm of reciprocity, right? This reciprocity effect that people are more willing to do something nice for you, which is those referrals that you talked about before, if you've done something nice for them. It also builds trust, likability, and ultimately loyalty with your client. So you can go back and listen to the full episode if you haven't yet. Uh, that's episode 
1.308. But when you're looking at how much to spend on your gifts, just think about it this way. Invest 1% of the annual lifetime value that that client brought to you back into that relationships and you will see that come back to you in multiple fold. Love it. All right. I'm going to go with this one for my next one, which is walk your client through whether it's through videos because you created a whole system of videos or you're literally on the phone when they're actually signing the contract. This is very, very tactical, right? But one of the biggest frustrations I think for clients, especially in real estate, insurance, financial advising, is you are giving them documents that are legal jargon, hard to understand. You don't know what you're actually doing. And a real estate agent sends it to you in DocuSign. Mm. And you're sitting there on your couch at home on DocuSign and going, I I can see the places I'm supposed to fill out, but I don't even understand what this means. Create videos that explain it. Maybe that's the way you can do it or sit there and walk them through it because that's what you're there for. You are the guide. Mm. You are the advisor. They are supposed to feel so comfortable. If you want a lesson in business to how to be a billion dollar business, look at Amazon. What did they do? They made it so easy, so convenient. You don't have to think about it. When people are signing deals with you, it should be so easy, so convenient. They don't have to think about it. You're making them think if you don't walk them through it. No, I love that. That example right there plays into my next one, which is number five on our list. Focus on solving your client's problems. So I think so often as businesses, we're so focused on our own bottom line, Mm. how to solve our problems, how to make more net revenue. We end up losing the focus that should be on their problems, which will ultimately help our business increase and help clients stay longer. I think we've had some great examples in our own history where we were trying to, we were thinking about our own business. I'll give a good example. So home content was something that our clients had been asking for for a long time. And we kept Selling around it. We kept selling around it. We kept pushing against it. Why? Well, because it was going to cost us more money to add it in. We felt that it wouldn't allow us to be in multiple industries. We felt it might cannibalize what we currently had in revenue. It might cannibalize what we thought we'd have now. When we finally made the decision and and started becoming more client-centric, which was in 2019, the year Mm -hmm. of our client. We actually set out in that year, making it the year of our client. We began uh, not only adding in those different pieces of content, we began adding more into our digital and we came out with a brand new publication all about the home. The response from clients has been pouring in, not unbelievable. oh, this is something else you're trying to sell me. It's, oh my gosh, thank you so much. This is what I've been looking for. I really appreciate you listening to our wants and what we need in our business. And revenue? Growing over 25% in one year from that. So so when you let go and you give in and you're actually about the relationship, not the transaction, wow, it actually pays dividends. And notice, <laughs> Josh and I have to apply it to ourselves. All right, here's um, my last one for you that I'll give you that's, um, I think, tactical is, look, you got to create raving fans. How do you create raving fans? It's doing the unexpected. And what I tell my team all the time is, look, when people write bad reviews, it's because you did the unexpected. They were expecting something different than what they got. And they go to Yelp or they go wherever and they review you badly. The same applies to your good reviews. People do not review you from doing what you told them you would do. They Mm. review you when you do the unexpected. So what's a simple way you can do this? When you meet a client for the first time, implement your gift giving strategy, bring them a cup of coffee, right? Do the unexpected. They weren't expecting that. When you're taking a client out, maybe to show them houses and you know this client is into XYZ, maybe they're into running and you look up all the parks in the area that they could run on. And when you take them to that house, you show them the parks, you went the extra mile. That is huge. You know who does this insanely well? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is a fast food restaurant and you feel like you're getting five-star service. If you notice in Chick-fil-A, like they go to the extra mile, what's the unexpected they do? It's a fast food restaurant. They bring you your food. 
So you can go sit at your table. They bring it just like a steakhouse. Not only that, they check in on you halfway through your meal to see if you need refills. They go the extra mile. And that's why they're a multi-billion dollar company that makes more than so many of the fast food restaurants in six days a week when the others are open seven. Awesome. Mic drop right there. So there you go. There's six ways to get on the naughty list and then six ways to get back on the nice list of your clients. Thank you so much for listening. You can head on over to statepaypodcast.com for the show notes and video of this episode. If you like this episode and looking for ways to support the show, we'd love it if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and drop us a five-star review to let us know how we're doing. And the best way to show your support is to share this episode with a friend. So it's the holidays. We've got Christmas in two days. So we're not going to do Christmas puns. Santa. I'm not that predictable. Oh. Okay. I was excited for that. <laughs> this is a special joke. This one's a little bit longer. Okay. Okay. I'm going to take you guys on a ride here. Okay. So there was this frog that went into a bank uh, to get a loan. This frog wanted a loan. So he goes to the bank. What do you call him? A teller? Teller? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And her name was Mrs. Wack. Hmm. Right. So the frog says to Mrs. Wack, he goes, I would like a loan. And the Mrs. Wack goes, you're a frog. How can you get a loan? He goes, well, I have, he goes, I would, I need a loan. And, and Mrs. Wack, her first name is Patty. Um, she goes, well, you need collateral. You need something to put down against this loan. <laughs> He's dying already. Do you know where this is going? <laughs> this is one of my favorite jokes so, of all time. So the frog, uh, she goes, well, I, I need your name. I need to, you know, we need to get you into the system. And he goes, well, my name is, uh, he goes, my name is. <laughs> uh, you guys are killing me. Here. I'm sorry. Because my last name is Jagger. He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, Mick Jagger's my father. And my mom was a frog. <laughs> so the, the bank, like, okay, well, I, I need to see your collateral, Mr. Jagger. And so he, he pulls out this little trinket out of his out of his, I don't know, his pocket. <laughs> Do frogs have pockets? I, I guess so. yeah. yeah. Right, frogs don't regularly go to the bank either. So it's like this little it's... pink elephant kind of a trinket or whatever and he hands it over and Mrs. Wack is, is looking at the trinket it's like, okay, well, I have to talk to my manager. So the manager uh, goes, uh, Mrs. Wack goes back and sees the manager and she goes, I, I don't know what to do here. This this frog, he says that his father is Mick Jagger and he would like a loan and all that he gives me is this little trinket. And so, the bank manager looks at it and he goes, it's a knickknack, Paddywhack. Give the frog a loan. His old man's a rolling stone. <laughs> oh, help it's us. so good. It's so good. <laughs> I figured it out like near the end when you said Paddywhack. I was like, oh, it's the song. It's that oh, you know, rhyme, man. whatever. Oh my gosh. If you want to get a hold of me or Luke, sorry, that was a little long. Yeah, that was, that took three minutes of the episode that was, right that there. That was worth it. Yeah. It was so worth it. Email us a podcast at remindermedia.com where you can find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, I'm Luke Acree. Here is your action item. Set a goal for yourself of response time to your clients. Like you could apply any of these nice list things to apply or get rid of the naughty list items. But I think a really tangible one is how fast are you replying when you get a text message? How fast are you responding when you get a phone call? If you just improve that small part of your business where you will be active and you respond, it will pay dividends for you. And if you really want to be good, set the expectations at the beginning when you meet a prospect, when you meet a client. Remember the difference between Top producers and mediocre producers, just top producers take action. Take action on that today.